Hey guys, ECRG here, back with another episode. I've got a very, very special guest with me today who's going to tell us a lot about different things in clinical research, including her background, as well as uh, some of the products and things of that nature that she's going to be uh, sharing with us and the community at large. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Tiffany Ashton to the podcast. Thanks for being here, Tiffany. How are you? Thank, thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Um, so first, I want to go ahead and get into, um, I guess, your background in clinical research. So could you tell us a little bit about your background and I guess what made you interested in clinical research and uh, kind of give us an overview of how you started and how you got to where you are today? Yeah. Um, so um, right out of high school, um, I had moved from Los Angeles to San Diego to attend San Diego State uh, University. And I was looking for a job, um, you know, part-time job, something to supplement while I was going to school. And I applied for a admin assistant job at a site management organization. And that was my first exposure to clinical research trials. I had never heard of the industry at all. And it just so happened that I applied for an admin assistant job at a site management organization, and they were doing clinical research trials with various doctors within the industry. Um, so, or within the community uh, for industry studies. Um, so that's how I got my first exposure, kind of just fell into it. But, um, you know, after about one month on the job as an admin assistant, they said, hey, um, you, would you like to learn a little bit more about clinical research? And I said, yeah, totally. <laughs> and so, you know, I was, I was so intrigued because I really enjoyed the patient interaction. I saw the study coordinators going in and out of the doors and, you know, they would actually travel from um, our main center and go to the um, doctor's offices. So the doctors would be conducting research um, mm -hmm. outside of their primary practice. And so I saw them hustling and bustling, um, you know, every day. And I was like, oh man, I'm missing out on the fun here. Mm -hmm. um, and so when they offered me to just say, hey, do you, are you even interested? I said, of course, you know, so I just, at that time, I just really started to observe um, and shadow. And I took some medical uh, terminology courses because I didn't know, you know, you wanted to brush up on the various protocols uh, that you were going to be speaking about. So I shadowed anywhere from three to six months just learning about the clinical research process, um, you know, attended um, pre-study visit um, where the sites were being, you know, reviewed and toured to see if they would be selected for the study, sat in on SIVs, you know, just really took it all in. And so that's how I got my start. You know, eventually I was um, given a small study as a clinical research coordinator, and I ended up doing coordinating for about four years um, while I, um, you know, pursued my degree, my undergraduate. And then once I completed um, my undergraduate, I had four years experience and a degree. And so that's when I started to really branch out and say, you know, what else can I do? in this industry. And mm -hmm. so that's where I went on to be a, a CRA. So a clinical research coordinator, I mean, no, clinical research associate, sorry. Um, and then, you know, through the years, I kept getting opportunities to be a study manager, like a clinical trial manager. You know, I got opportunities to be an unblinded CRA. Um, and then I also got opportunities to be an unblinded CTM and a project manager. So over the years, all in all, I've been in since uh, 2003, so 18 years. I started in August 2003, so 18 years in the industry. Um, and then along the way, I did get my master's in clinical uh, research at UCSD. Um, and so, you know, I just kept building on my foundation, um, taking oncology trials, global trials, um, working with, you know, teams all over the world, um, phase one through four, just really soaking in the knowledge wherever I went so I can continue to build upon um, what I know about the industry. Um, and so that's where I eventually ran into a group of uh, clinical research professionals who 
were toying at the idea of Clint Essentials and, you know, they had already had um, the foundation laid. And so that's where I really joined their team. Um, first started off as a st uh, service um, manager. Mm -hmm. And then I have progressed to the director of operations here um, and I work very closely with ourselves and our business development team. Um, and then I, on the other arm, we also do training and educational pieces uh, for, you know, those within the industry that are looking for uh, to have questions on career progression, have questions on um, you know, how do I become a CRC to begin with? You know, just all of the questions that we see within the industry, just really being a resource to help those um, as they kind of get their feet wet and just kind of navigate through. Okay. That was a very uh, good and thorough explanation. <laughs> um, before we get in, before we get further into the work you're doing now, yeah. I do want to take go back because we do have a lot of people who are mm -hmm. just getting interested in clinical research. Maybe they, you know, just heard about it from my channel or, you know, on YouTube or on Google or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and just trying to get their foot in the door. And um, you mentioned something very interesting. Mm -hmm. You went from a clinical research coordinator mm -hmm. to a CRA mm -hmm. and you, you were working at the site level at that time. Mm -hmm. how, how did you make that transition? Uh, great question. Great question. It's all about networking and it's about the experience and it's about the desire to even be in that level because there's great study coordinators that prefer to stay as a study coordinator and then there's others that like and are intrigued to be in the CRA space. Um, you know, as a CRA, you work, you know, when you're not in your home office, you're traveling, you're on the road. Um, you know, you're in one state to another, maybe in the same week in two or three states. So mm -hmm. if that's something that intrigues you and you're okay with, then that's a good career progression. And where I was at in my life um, at that time, it was the next step because, you know, newly graduated from, um, you know, um, San Diego State University, the experience. I wanted to see the world, you know, and that was right. the opportunity to really start seeing, you know, I traveled all over, um, for, uh, you know, on behalf of the company, but you do get to see different cities and meet new people, try different foods. So that was something that really intrigued me and, you know, something that was really like the next progression because I love to travel. Right. Um, yeah. One of my goals is to see all 50 states. Yeah. So. I don't think there's a there's a better role that I can think of where you can actually accomplish that than CRA, right? Exactly. I mean, I, there was that one time I was like, man, okay, I don't need any more investigators meetings in Chicago or Florida because right. I need to be able to go to some other states because those are some of the hub places where they exactly. always want to have an investigators meeting. Um, but yeah, the you know, I, I did get pretty close. I don't know if I got to all 50, but I probably got to about 25 and at one point i had hawaii as a territory so i was in hawaii so much wow. i didn't go to hawaii wow wow wow, wow. <laughs> i'm over hawaii because i was in hawaii so much <laughs> i feel that yeah. um yeah i had a i had a a site in uh san juan puerto rico for a mm. while and so i was really i was really enjoying that to the max like i would stay extra all the the entire weekend and you know come back sunday night Exactly. Yeah. It, there's some perks to it. You know, you speak to your manager, you say, hey, I want to just extend my stay. I'll cover the extra um, hotel, rent a car, you know, things on my own. And usually they're agreeable to it as long as there's no study deliverables and you can, you know, ensure that you pay that half, that extra that you're staying. It's yeah. it's a great opportunity. Um, you know, I used to, uh, if there was a family, you know, make sure I had a dinner with family or, you know, something like that. Uh, when I came in, you know, would um, keep my expenses separate, of course, but just, you know, opportunity. You're in, you're in Denver. And so, oh, let's see my family while I'm here. So it's a lot of perks to that CRA traveling. Yep. Couldn't agree further. Exactly. Um, so yeah, you started all the way down as an assistant. That was mm -hmm. part-time when you were in high school, right? Is that what you said? Or was that college? 
No, it was college. So it was an admin assistant. As soon as like that was my first real job out of uh, high school. So it was, you know how you graduate high school in May and then you start college in August. That's right. when I started as an admin assistant. So right between that two. Okay. So one thing that we always tell people on the podcast and the channel is get experience however you can, because exactly. You know, you you even mentioned, and I don't know if people are going to pick up on this, but you waited a while to get your master's. You didn't go get your master's immediately. Exactly. Um, because this is really a experience-based industry. Oh, um, 100%. 100%. So, yeah. Um, you know, people ask all the time, what kind of certifications or degrees should I get to get in this industry? I always tell them, get the experience first and worry about that stuff later. Exactly. Yeah, so, 100%. In that same vein, how... How can people go out and get that kind of assistant, that clinical research assistant type role, um, in your opinion, to kind of give them a little bit of experience before, you know, they apply on to, you know, something bigger and better? Yeah. So you want to start those conversations. So you first, if you're in... Um, Let's just say you're in Arizona. You want to go and you want to find the clinical research centers in Arizona near you. Speak to those um, site directors. Speak to a lead study coordinator. Express your interest in learning more about clinical research um, and see if they will give you an opportunity to do five or so hours a week you know, helping with chart review or, um, you know, organizing lab kits or organizing, you know, um, creating source folders or anything like that. Just ask, start the conversation, ask. There's so many things that we do on a day-to-day -day basis, especially on a site level, that if someone had came to me and said, hey, I'll just organize your lab kits, I would say, uh, when can you start? You know, like, exactly. that's, your, exactly. that's your way in. That's your way in. And then you from there, you you say, well, um, I would be interested in learning a little bit more about um, how you recruit for patients. And then you just continue to span. You know, it's like water, one drop and then it just spreads out. You mm -hmm. just get in and you just kind of spread out and just learn all you can. There's nothing there's nothing that. Um, you sh that should be beneath you. You should just say, hey, I'm willing, I'm open to learning because, you know, two, three months from now, if there's an opening or they get a new study and they say, hey, we need another assistant, they're going to look to you because you've been there, you know the processes, you, you know, so that's a, a easier way to get a job because you've been there and they know you, they know your work ethic. So you got to, you know, those are the some of the starting points there. Right. All right, thank thank you for that uh, those gems right there for the for the audience. Yeah. Um, so after you did the CRC thing, you went on to do CRA, and mm -hmm. then after you did CRA for a while, you then went on to uh, do project management. Mm -hmm. um, what interested you about making that transition from really the clinical side to project management? Because I started on the project management side actually, and then I went to uh, then I went to CRA, but I got my start in, on the project management side. Yeah, well, see, everyone has a different direction. So exactly. at that time, I think um, I was starting to lean towards family. You know, um, I recently married and, you know, starting to lean towards, hey, kids and, you know, kids being in the pipeline. And, you know, can I really keep up this um, eight to 10 days on site as a CRA? And so that's where I started thinking, OK, where do I where am I going to be in five years and what do I need to start doing now? Because um, that's, you know, you need, you can't just say, okay, I have kids now what, you know, you got to start planning a little bit right. ahead of time. So that's right. where I said, okay, so what can I continue to do in this space, but, uh, and make an impact, but not necessarily travel as much. And so that's when I um, learned about the clinical trial manager, you know, sometimes it's interchangeably used as project manager. It just really depends on the, the company, right. but that's when I got my first exposure. And again, with that one, I came in as an in-house CRA. And so they were looking for an in-house CRA. So someone who wasn't traveling, but help, you know, traveling a little bit, but not as much as, you know, the, the CRAs that are on the road, you know, eight to 10 days um, per month. So right. they were looking for an in-house CRA. And after, you know, again, three to four months, they were like, would you be interested in managing this project? Um, it's a phase four study, it's observational, it's not as intense as a phase one. 
Wow. And so, you know, and so that's when I, I said, yeah, you know, and okay. And so it was a lot of these things too are you have your SOPs and then it's on the job learning. It's uh, figuring it out, you know, kind of, you know, you don't want to make too many uh, major mistakes, but you know, it's the SOPs following the protocol, but some of this, some of this is just on the job learning, asking your colleagues, you know, pulling from past experiences. So I was able to attend that, you know, I mean, attend to that role, that clinical trial manager. I had to plan an investigators meeting and I was like, plan an investigators meeting? And I was like, okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then, but then I was like, but you've attended 15 of them. So let's right. just flip it around. Okay. If you're not an attendee and you're planning it, what do you need to do? So there's a lot of things that you'll get in your experience as a study coordinator or even a CRA that you wouldn't you wouldn't think that would uh, that would not transfer. They do transfer. You just have to look at it from a different perspective. So look at it from top down versus you know going up. So um, you just have to you you can do it with the skill set and the eagerness to learn. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, very very good information there. So um, with your time as a project manager, mm -hmm. um, well, I guess one thing I want to unpack there is. Mm -hmm. You started out as an in-house CRA at that company, but you already had previous CRA experience at that time. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So it's not like you were just, you started as an in-house CRA, then moved to project manager. Yeah, um, no. Now, was this company like a, a very large company or was it a small company? No. Because typically they give you those opportunities at smaller companies. Where exactly. You can just move like that. Right on. Mm -hmm. You're, uh, it was a small biotech in San Diego. San Diego is a big hub for biotech companies. There's so mm -hmm. many biotech companies out there. Opportunity, you know, um, there's not a lot of more steps than you would see as a CRO. You know, CRO, you have to come in, you have to, you know, show two, three years experience before they will bump you up to the next level. At a small biotech, if you can show that you can do it you may be bumped up within less than a year you know but it's it's right. you're working with your eagerness your collaboration you know they're not just going to just do it for anyone but if they can see a, a, sh a shining light out of you they're like okay yeah this is a this is a good one to keep and let's see how we can continue to promote within so yes those small biotechs are excellent opportunities um, to advance to project manager sooner than you would probably at a cro Right. I would that would you say that's true for like many positions? Like even if someone wants to go from like an in-house CRA to a field monitor CRA, oh, yeah. um, would, uh -huh. you think those opportunities are there at smaller biotechs too? Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. The smaller because you have to think. I think our clinical department was seventeen people, and we uh -huh. had ten studies going on. You know, and then but we had. Um, D that, that 17 people was made up of DM and, you know, the stats um, group and the medical monitor. So there weren't a lot of roles to do project manager or uh, CRAs. So there's a lot of opportunity at these small biotechs because it's a small group, you know, and so they're like, okay, what other skill set may you have? Are you interested? Okay, let's make sure you're trained. And yes, you want to be a CRA? You could go for it because it's not a big team to 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 uh, pull from to begin with. Right. It sounds like I've, I've heard, I've never worked for a small biotech, but I've heard it's like, um, there's great opportunities, like you said, and you can wear many hats typically with exactly. lots of different experience experiences mm -hmm. all around. Exactly. I mean, I literally got exposure to DM, um, like data management and building the database during that time. I got experience. I worked very closely with the medical monitor where, you know, in a bigger company, I may never interact with the medical monitor in the same conference room, you know, almost every other meeting, you know, so there's a lot of exposure and you're, you are definitely able to wear multiple hats. And if you're interested in other roles voice that to your manager so they can know so they can look for opportunities that you may not even see they may know of a study coming up down the pipeline that they want you to head because you you voice that i would love to be a project manager or i love to be a clinical trial manager so you have to speak to your managers and you know just let them know yep okay that's good to know so for all you guys listening out there go check out those small biotechs Mm -hmm. 
is, th is there a place they can look or should they just Google small biotechs um, that you can kind of think of? Are there ones that they should be looking out for? Well, see, you know, let's just say San Diego, for example, if you just put biotech companies in San Diego on Google, there's going to be a list and it may take you to CenterWatch or it may take you to another site that has correlated them all into one site. And so that's a good place to start. Yep. But just some quick just some quick um, some quick searches. Um, so, yeah, you know, clinical research recruiters, um, this the clinical research recruiters, they're very good too. If you have some experience and you're looking to make your next move, um, they're not necessarily good for brand new people. Um, like if you're just starting off as a CTM and you don't have any CTM experience, the clinical research recruiters, they may not be able to help you. But if you have five years or three years or two years of clinical root trial management experience or even a CRA um, two or three years, they're a good resource um, because they are in contact with companies. Somebody, sometimes they'll call me and say, uh, I got a job with Sunshine Pharmaceuticals, and I'm like, Sunshine Pharmaceuticals? I've never even yeah. heard of this. You know, they'll have <laughs> they have a network of people that you've never even heard of. So right. it's good to get on their list. But those are for the more experienced um, people that are looking, you know, for other options outside of these bigger companies. If you, that's a clinical research recruiters are good to connect with. Okay, that's good information. That's good information. Yeah. Um, no, this is awesome because we we rarely talk about those smaller biotechs. I mention them from time to time, mm -hmm. um, but I haven't really talked to someone who's actually worked for them yet on the channel. Mm -hmm. So this is awesome. Perfect. Good. Um, <laughs> so after you did project manager, then mm -hmm. what, what then what'd you do next after that? That was my first exposure to CROs, and I wanted to get the CRO experience because I've heard. <laughs> you got to get CRO experience. And I'm like, CRO experience? You know, like, I got sponsor, I got site, you know? So I, just natural progression, you hear, you got to get CRO experience. Okay, let me go on and get CRO experience. Um, so that's where I've spent um, probably the last uh, 10 years in CRO world. You know, from time to time, it will be um, back with, a like, a small sponsor. But CRO world is where I spent, but that's not where you have to stay or, you know, and you can come in, come out, you know, there always will be CROs, but if you get that opportunity to be at a small biotech or a pharmaceutical company and, and you love it, stay there, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's perfectly okay too. Okay. Um, and so another thing I found interesting that you mentioned is it sounds like you did all of this career progressing in San Diego. Mm -hmm. Can you can you speak a little bit to the, I guess the job opportunities available for people in San Diego? Because my understanding is that's one of the hot spots for clinical research in general all over the when country. I say, when I say hot, it's hot, and that's yeah. why I say biotechs. That's the biotech hub. There's so many biotechs out there. Um, there, and that, it's all in California. It's not necessarily in San Diego. There's a lot in San Francisco area as well. It's just California as a whole has a lot of companies. A lot of companies. I think I found out about three new companies in California just in the last month, and I was like, really? You know, I didn't even know that. You know, and that's wow. what I say. You have to, you know, just put in some of those keywords, and you'll start to see. You may not even realize. I know in San Diego, where was I? Um, can't remember the area, um, but there's a there's like a hub. Oh man, I lost my freeways and everything like that because it's been about seven years that I've been in uh, Texas. Um, but yeah, I can't remember the. It's it's probably. Mm, I don't. I think it's off the. 405, the five, it's the five freeway where it's, it splits off into the 405. That's a, that's a, a area that's like a biotech hub out there. Encinitas, something like that. It's a, it's a biotech hub. And you'll be surprised all of those office buildings, uh, pharmaceutical companies all throughout. So that's a good resource, but it's not the only one because if you go to the East Coast, there's a lot of pharmaceutical companies on that side, more bigger pharmaceutical companies, but California is a hub for biotech for sure okay yeah um so typically when i talk about hubs and let me know if i'm missing any i talk san diego la um raleigh durham 
in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got up Northeast, you got all the pharmaceutical companies. So I'm talking New Jersey mm-hmm. and like Connecticut area. Um, those are the giant hubs that I know of. Are there any mm-hmm. other ones that you know of? Pennsylvania, um, like uh, Philly, outside of Philly mm-hmm. is, an, is another good one. I mean, I've been to a, co- a, a couple corporate offices out there, um, but you, I think you hit the main ones. Oh, Boston, Boston, Massachusetts. I forgot yep. about that. Boston, yep, Massachusetts, yep. that's another big one, especially for biotechs. Yes, I forgot about Yeah, I forgot about that. Boston is a big hub. Massachusetts, um, yeah, I hear a lot of companies coming out of Boston. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah those, those, those are good. And then for people to, I guess, if they're going to relocate, you want to relocate to one of those places. Um, I'm partial to Raleigh-Durham just because the cost of living is very, very low yeah. uh, by comparison. But um you know, go go where you feel like it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Texas is Texas is a, a very good cost of living as well. Um, and you know, I when I moved from San Diego to Texas, I kept my same job. I didn't even have to change because I was a CRA at that time, and you're remote. So I just told my manager, "Hey, I'm moving over here," and they said, "Okay." And that was it. And now, yeah, now my hub was out of um, George International instead of, you know, San Diego. So it can be as simple as that. You don't necessarily need to get a new job to you could just speak to your manager about it as well. Yep. Um, Now, I've had a couple people email in over the years from Texas. Um, Mm -hmm. I found Texas can be kind of hard to find clinical research jobs. What do you think? What do you think about that? Just depends on where you're, where you're at. Dallas, Dallas and Houston, or Houston. Are really big. Those are really big hubs. Um, I remember being a CRA, and I didn't even have to travel because I had enough sites within driving distance between Houston and Dallas, and I oh, think wow. I had to go to Oklahoma. There's there's tons, tons, tons of research sites in um houston and dallas i don't know as many in austin and san antonio but houston and dallas yeah there's tons it's tons i didn't even have to get on the plane well i guess i was referring more toward like cro's and biotechs and pharma companies because you know when you're first getting started you're most likely going to have to go into the office they're not just going to maybe after covid it might change but uh, yeah um, but typically you're not just going to be working from home immediately when you first start in the industry so it was either you work for sites or are there other opportunities for biotechs or CROs in the Texas area that you found? Yeah. Okay. So that, that's a good, a good question. So a couple of things. Usually when I had to go in for training, I had to go in to the main headquarters. So the Raleigh, North Carolina, the Philadelphia, mm-hmm. the New Jersey. It wasn't, I could have been associated with the locals like, um, division, you know, in wherever I was, but they usually, when they send you to like an onboarding training, they usually send you to the main headquarters and those main headquarters are back east. Um, But here recently, I haven't had to go in for a training, man, seven years, eight years. So I think more so this, the new higher orientations are online. So you technically can be anywhere and you just have to ask during the interviewing process, what is your onboarding like? What, what, what is your onboarding? And sometimes they'll tell you, oh, you have to come in for a week or you have to, oh, it's all online. And, you know, they'll tell you during the interview. And that's a good interview question at the end when they say, do you have any questions? And you say, um, what's the onboarding process like? And then they'll tell you. Uh, oh, you have to come in for new hire orientation, you know, or you have three to five weeks to work on your SOPs, et cetera. So I would say don't let that stop you. Um, I would just say do some research, but site availability in the Texas area, plenty of sites. CROs or pharmaceutical companies, you really don't need to be in the same state as that company. You, They're hiring people remote all the time. But if you want to go in the office, then yes, you have to be in the office where that place is. Yeah. I think COVID has probably changed that a little bit because it used to be you had to be, especially for your first job. I mean, 
you know, yeah. clinical trial assistant, you know, zero, mm-hmm. zero months of experience. They want you kind of near the oh, office. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but now yeah. things have probably changed a little bit. They might be more open to more remote work from the beginning. So exactly. that, only, that only helps everybody else. Uh, yeah, yeah. So. And, and I do want to clarify there, for the study coordinator and the research assistant positions, those aren't typically remote positions. Those are in office. So you do yep. need to be wherever you're going to get that opportunity to to learn about a clinical research coordinator role or a research assistant role, you got to be there and you have to be willing to go in because that's a hands-on type of job. You have to see patients, you have to, you know, process lab draws and ECGs and, you know, that's a hands-on type. That's not one that you can do remote. That's not a typical remote job at all, but some COVID, um, COVID uh, caveats, but that's not, that's a hands-on job. Yeah, exactly right. Um, Because I know even during, even in the height of the pandemic, and, you know, it's coming back a little bit now with the Delta variant, Mm -hmm. um, they were coming into the office, you know, a few days a week. They still had to come into the office to, you know, do patient stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But of course, you know, they were working remotely when they didn't have to do that. Exactly. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I I used to have clinic days Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Tuesday, Thursdays. I was doing my classes and then in the afternoon I would come and do paperwork. So yeah, um, there are typically where the study coordinators schedule it, where you are not in clinic every day if you can help it and you do have some paperwork, kind of get yourself organized (laughs) together days as well. Yeah. So, so for someone who um, is looking to get into clinical research, Mm-hmm. What what kind of advice would you give them right now, especially someone with all your experience that you've had? What kind of advice would you give them? A couple of things. I would say do some research, and there's plenty of YouTube videos, literature online. What role do you want to go and be in? Because your pathway is going to determine. I mean, there are some that overlap, but you don't want to spend – five years as a study coordinator, if ultimately you want to be a data manager, you know, like you, there may be some ways around to shorten that, not to say that you could just go straight into data manager, but there may be some ways around it. But so you want to get clear on what interests you. Do you want to be a CRA? Do you want to be a study coordinator? Do you want to be a project manager? Do you want to be in regulatory? Um, Do you want to be in, um, what is it? Uh, you want to be a clinical trial associate, you know, where do you want to go? And then you have to backtrack to say, okay, where do I, how do I get the experience in order to get to my goal? Um, And so, you know, study coordinator is a good stepping stone because from there you can branch into CRA. Then from CRA, you can go to CTM. And then, um, you know, you can also if you're a coordinator, you can go to CT, you can go the clinical trial assistant way and then go to CTM that way. Um, so coordinating is a good base, but it's not necessarily the only one depending on which way you want to go. Okay. Great advice there. Great advice. Yeah. Um, so let's switch gears a little bit here. So what kind of work do you do at Clint Essentials now? Because we've gone over your whole career path thus far, um, and now you're working at Clint Essentials. So what, what are you doing at Clint Essentials now? Yeah, so if you can hear from our conversation, I have a passion for clinical research, and then I've been, at my experience, been at the clinical research coordinator role, I've been at the CRA role, and I understand, you know, there's so many things to do in a day. Um, I really, when I found Clint Essentials, it spoke my language because they provide tools and research uh, resources for clinical research professionals. So tools to make their job more easier, more streamlined, to really help everything that they have to balance out, everything that they have to do in a day. And so it really speaks to those at the ground level um, that makes such an impact that the studies cannot go on without the study coordinators and the CRAs. It really helps make their job a lot easier. And so being in those previous positions and understanding those pain points, when I found the Clint Essentials team, I said, wow, 
yeah, I want to be a part of this because I have a passion for teaching. I have a passion for helping people. And so that's where over the years from service manager to director of operations, using my skill set and my knowledge um, within the industry, I'm able to add to the team and really help create tools, help the team create tools that will help um, the team and the clinical research professionals benefit from. So that's okay. that's how I got associated with it. You know, as you get older in the industry, you really want to start aligning with your passion. What, mm -hmm. What's your fuel? What gets you out of bed every day? You know, like that's the kind of thing. It's, and so that's what Clint Essentials is for me. Um, and so our signature product are the CRA audit notes. Um, and so you've been a monitor, you know, um, do you use these yellow sticky notes or have you used these yellow sticky got, notes? Yeah, yep, got some right here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, you're a, you're, you're a monitor, you have eight hours on site and you're just, you know, some sites are pristine, no issues, very yep. minimal issues. Some, you literally, every page you're like, oh, I got to flag this one. I'm just, you know, you're just going flag and flag and flag. And to you as a monitor, that slows you down a little bit. You know, I mean, yeah. well, a lot of it, depending on how many charts you have, it slows you down. And then as a study coordinator, when you come, when the study coordinator and the doctors come back in and they just come to 200 of these yellow sticky notes, they're like, oh my God, where do I even start? You know, cause I've yeah. been a study coordinator and I'm like, uh, I got patience. I can't deal with this. You know, like, let me put this to the side. <laughs> You know, but the CRA audit notes, they're color coded. So this one is a please complete and it has check boxes. So date as a late entry, header, initials, page number, patient number, signature as a late entry, and then it has a blank section. So imagine you're checking a source document and it just has the, the whole visit is missing little pieces and you're like, oh, I, I can't just keep writing. Please complete, please complete, please complete. You can use this, tear it off, stick it, and then you just check the boxes that you need to do. So it's faster for you as a monitor. And then when the study coordinator comes in, they know, oh, please complete. That's an orange one. Um, protocol deviation. This one is red. So if you stick these protocol deviations out there, that's something that um, a coordinator would say, oh, what did I do? Let me action mm -hmm. this one a little bit faster. Um, you know, you may have a serious adverse event. So we have 16 phrases that are pre-printed and they're different colors. Um, and so they really speak to those that are on the receiving end and also for those that are leaving them to make sure that everyone's efficiency is increased um there so that's what the product is and there's some monitors they've shaved two to three hours off of their monitoring day using our products and as three well as hours three hours because they wow. have that many charts i mean you know wow. like if i have a chart here and i you know it's a, it's a, it's a mock source chart but if you're just to write patient so this is patient initials and 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 patient id it's blank so if I was to sit here and write, please complete patient ID, patient initials, that took me 30 seconds, 20 seconds, something like that, versus if I just pulled this here, put it there, and it's done. You know, check off my two boxes and I go on to the next page. You know, like and that that's how it sits out. And it's so it's so much easier, you know, when I like that it's color-coded too. Yeah. Because it, it it draws your eye in to whatever it's saying on the on the side. Exactly, exactly. And it sticks out like this. Now look at this yellow sticky note. If you wrote on this yellow sticky note and uh, there's nothing, you know, you might have a million of these little yellow sticky notes. You have to literally open it up to say, oh, okay, I got a please complete versus this. You're able to say, oh, it's orange. That's a please complete. And so that's what's helpful. It, it seems so small. But in the grand scheme of things, when you're going through, you have eight hours on site, they just told you about an SAE, um, you, the IP had a temperature excursion last week and you gotta get, you, it's so many things going on. You're like, I just need, I can't be writing these sticky notes. 
Right. <laughs> I can't be writing the same thing. I need something to help me. And so that's why uh, the clinical research professionals uh, within Clin Clin Essentials created the product. And it it's genius, actually. A lot of people are like, wow, why did I think of that? Yes, yeah, it <laughs> seems like once you start using it, it's hard to go back, right? It, yeah, it's hard to see a yellow sticky note after. It's like, uh, you sure? It's like leaving your pen out of your work bag. It's something so essential now. It's like... Oh, I got to do this monitoring visit without these. Dang, right. man. <laughs> so, so you've got 16 different kinds of those. Mm -hmm. um, now, do you, how do people buy it? You just buy all 16 or do you just no. buy a pack or they all come together or how does it work? So uh, a few, you can buy them individually. You can buy a four pack. You can buy all 16. Um, and the phrases, it depends on what study you're on. If you're an unblinded CRA, you may want, please add to the drug accountability log. Please reconcile, you know, please clarify temperature excursion. As an unblinded CRA, you may not need all 16 phrases. It's the ones that you typically use, the phrases that you would typically write that is uh, those are the ones that you can choose from. So you can get all 16 or you can choose the ones that suit you in the phase of your study. Um, and our sites, we have these, it's called the CRA audit notes bundle and acrylic holder. So if you can see, and there might be a little glare, but there you have these holders that hold all 16 of them. This is um, eight in here, so you get two of them, and all of our sites actually put them in our in their monitoring space. So if their monitor comes in with these yellow sticky notes, they're saying, uh -huh. you know, I would actually like if you um, use our our audit notes because it's going to help us at the end of the day. Uh, so some of the sites uh. are requesting that their monitors actually use them if their monitors don't come in with it, um, and that's interesting. Because, yeah, okay. because you know, the takeaway there's for the study coordinators, there's an opportunity for retraining. Like say for instance, there's a lead study coordinator and they come and they see another study coordinators. They have a lot of protocol deviations. They can say, okay, maybe I need to sit and spend some time on whatever is causing the protocol deviations. Um, it's also helpful for the doctor. You know, the doctor comes in with two and a half minutes of your of their time. Okay, what do you got for me? And you're like, uh, you know, trying to summarize. Yep. You can say, oh, please complete. Um, please clarify. SAE, please report to the IRB because of the colors are popping out at you. And so you can, you know, you don't have to say, oh, you know what? Let me see. Let me see what I have for you. Because I've been there. I said, uh, I don't, um, you know, I think everything was pretty good, you know, like, and, and then right. I'm like, oh, and then I saw after he leaves, I'm like, oh, shoot, I forgot about that SAE and I had to go find him. So, you know, you guys had an SAE, you know, and that's because it's just so many things swirling around in your mind. And when they come in, you got to be, you got to have your elevator conversation for your investigators. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, so, you know, we also offer some ancillary tools. Um, we have an action item pad, which is like a carbon copy pad. So you can oh, write man. your action items once. This is this is old school. I'm dating myself. We used to have carbon copy CRFs before eCRFs yes. <laughs> <laughs> So you guys yep. don't remember. Some of you guys don't even remember that. Carbon copy CRFs, yeah, we had to send them in and they used to send our queries via fax. But wow, we took, that is old school. <laughs> yeah, that is old school. But yeah, carbon copy action items. You write your action items down once. You give a copy to your study coordinator, you keep a copy for you writing your trip report. So that's helpful because sometimes you can't find or you don't have access to the copy machine. So you you want to have your tools when you're on site. Um, and then this visit to do list is another tool. You can pull it off. You can you can make your little checklist of what you need to do when you're on site and then any notes on the back. So it just helps streamline because you got to hit it. You got an eight o'clock flight. You got to hit it when you get in there yeah. and you don't know what you're going to get when you get there. That's true. true. Yeah. Okay. So um, could you show us the uh, the acrylic thing with the uh, eight notes again? And could you read off some of those? Because we didn't get to read all those. Yeah, um, yeah. Which some so of the this, phrases are you have? So this would be for the research sites and they would put it in their monitoring um, location. And okay. so it would, you know, they could sit it like this and then this is where the monitors would come um, and see. But we actually, with every purchase, you get this quick start color guide. 
and it has all the phrases. So it's pocket size, so you get two. Here's, an, here's a little uh, small one. So you could put this in your pocket or put this in the po your pocket or you can put this in your lab coat. And so when you're coming back and you're checking out this, if you're a study coordinator and you're checking out, you're like, okay, see some reds. Oh, well, shoot, what is this yeah, red? Yep. You know, <laughs> so yeah. So the phrases are please complete protocol deviation per the source, please reconcile prior to the next visit per the ECRF, Please clarify, please file, please report to the IRB slash EC temperature excursion. Oh, I like that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like that one. one. <laughs> and then concomitant medication, please add to the drug accountability log, adverse event, adverse event of special interest, serious adverse event. And then we even have a blank one. That is, if we didn't have one of your phrases, here's a blank one. It has this, it still sits out like the other notes would sit out. It doesn't have a color bar, um, bar but you can write if, if there's another um, phrase or something else you want to discuss that wasn't covered, it's blank. Um, and then we also have a few others that are currently in design. We have a 1572 one. They're gonna love that one. Um, so it's a, it's like the check boxes, um, but it's for the 15. It's like this. Please complete, but it's for 1572. Um, okay. So we're continuing to add um, to them as well. But okay. yeah, um, any questions that I can help answer? What are your What are your thoughts about it? Tell me what are your thoughts as well, a, a CRA? It sounds good. I'd love to try it. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Try out a few of those those notes and see how I, my coordinators like it and how I like the system. Yeah, um, exactly. It definitely sounds like it would be uh, an improvement mm -hmm. on the normal system and the normal sticky notes. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it definitely would keep things a lot cle cleaner and clearer and probably uh, more, more time efficient for everybody, the coordinator and the monitor. Exactly. So it definitely seems like it would be good. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. We'll we'll have the team send you send you a set to to try and give your your feedback. Um, I would love to, because yeah. then I could do a full review on it uh, for the channel and let everyone else know how I liked it too. Exactly. Yeah, um, that's great. Yeah, because everyone is used to the the normal sticky note method. That's the one everyone I guess mm -hmm. gets taught when they first start, mm -hmm. and I guess it's the easiest to continue doing. Yeah. Um, who knew exactly. Who knew there was a faster system out there? Exactly. I mean, and even for transitions between CRAs and study coordinators, if one study coordinator leaves and the next one has to take their place, these also help with just that transition piece. So it's like, oh, okay, I'm stepping, I know what I'm stepping into a little bit more than just having to literally go through every yellow sticky note to see what the action is. So it's it, yeah, there's a lot of different little small things, but you, once you're like, oh man, actually it can help with that too. And, you know, our newer CRAs, if you're a new CRA and you're kind of still getting your monitoring legs and you're like, okay, I see an action, but what do I need to do here? You know, this is a good tool as well. Mm -hmm. um, I also had a question about, um, well, I had two thoughts come to my mind. One, I don't know if I'll say on here. Maybe we'll talk about it <laughs> offline. Okay. But um, my other question regarding that is, what other products do you guys have um, regarding, I guess, CRA Streamline and things of that nature? Yeah, so we also have a tools portfolio. So it's it's Mm, I didn't bring a, a sample of it, but it's basically you, uh, the CRA can choose four um, audit notes of their choice, mm -hmm. and it's in a leather bound um, pad folio, so you can stick it into your work bag. And so if you're um, a CRA that only uses four notes primarily, that's great. You can have it. And then it also comes with a mini, or, a mini size visit to-do list and also action item um, pad. So it all fits nicely in your um, your pad folio and you can just put it in your work bag. It has a pin and you, you know, you just have everything kind of concise um, there. We also have a traveling bag for the 16 notes. So if you're a CRA and you want to drop them into like a, a zip bag, you can put that there. Um, and then we're continuing to have uh, get feedback from um, our users 
this would be good. I really wish we could have that. So we are just getting started. We have not completed our uh, mission there. We're just there to really help streamline as much as we can between the CRAs and CRCs, um, but also QA and QC um, personnel use our products. Um, sponsor representatives, line managers, CRA line managers, when they go out to do those monitoring visits with their CRAs, there's a lot of different um, roles that use our products as well. Okay. Um, so who do you find prim primarily, uh, I guess, sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, I can oh. hear you. Oh, yeah. I was saying, who do you find primarily uh, is, is buying the products? Is it CRCs and CRAs? Because oh, I know- I lost you for, for a second. Oh, am I back? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. Yeah, I was saying, who do you think primarily buys these? Um, because I know for CRAs, we get a, it's not, it's kind of like an unspoken rule, but we obviously get a budget for materials and stuff like that, like pens and sticky notes and paper and anything a CRA might need. So um, it's obviously not coming out of our pocket to buy yeah. those products. It's coming out the, you know, the budget or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. But for CRC, I wonder, you know, do they have the same type of thing? Um, yeah. So they can buy they it too, or? Yeah. So good, great question. So um, for sites, they have their site budgets. So you know the budgets um, that they outline how much they're going to get paid for every visit, for every um, patient that gets enrolled in the study for screen failures, and then they also have other additional line items. So they have, you know, study overhead. They may have a, a line item for um, startup fee, study supplies, and so that's really where our sites usually um, apply our products to their budgets for uh, study supplies within the contracts for the studies that they're they're doing on the um, there. So it wouldn't be. Um, an, uh, it, well, it could be an upfront and you get paid reimbursed back, um, but it ultimately can be applied to that study budget, um, study supply budget for the sites. Um, okay. And then for CRA, same. You usually get $50, $100 for supplies every month or every quarter, and that's where you can use um, your budget. Uh, to purchase the Clint Essentials uh, products, but we are also working with sponsors and CROs who are using our products for either a sub subset of their team or for their wider team. So then it's the sponsor or the CRO that are purchasing our products because they see the benefit and then rolling it out to everyone on the team as well. Um, so it just really depends if, you're, if your company has not rolled it out for you, you could you know, inquire on if they are or when they are, or you can go ahead and, and purchase it out of your um, budget and, you know, use it as your study supply. Okay. Yeah. I'm definitely, I definitely want to try this out. Um, yeah. <laughs> Cause I think, I think it could definitely be helpful. That's what intrigued me about um, having this conversation to begin with is yeah. um, I was like, huh, cause you know, I get a lot of junk mail too from time to time and <laughs> in, in junk products. So this one would actually seem pretty legitimate. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, perfect. Um, and well, okay. The last thing that I'll add is, you know, we have sites too that we're working with, even though they're doing e-source and e-reg, they still have a need and they see the value of our product because they're still, you know, some sites still keep that shadow chart or paper chart and yep. they're not 100% e-reg or 100% e-source, they still like that because there is a need here or there for them to use yellow sticky notes. And so that's where our product will improve that yellow sticky note process, even if you're so-called electronic. Right, so um, yeah, am I, where I currently am employed, um, the sites do not have source uh e-source yet um mm -hmm. i was at let's we'll see i was at acrp in 2019 mm -hmm. and that was the first time i really even heard of e-source i know um, and you know i, I guess it's going to be the future uh yeah. but um still not still still not widely used yet that i've seen yeah Exactly. You you spot on. You know, I heard about eSource maybe 15 years ago, and it's a slow transition because, like, as you said, all we know is the yellow sticky notes. So that's where we're going. All we know is paper source. So, 
is going to be a slower transition. Some sites are going to be quick for it, but others are going to be slower to transition. But you yep. still need efficiencies at this time right now. You can't wait five years from now and just be underwater uh, with paperwork until then, until east, uh, you know, the e-source comes. Um, so you know, you still advance with the times, and this is a good stepping stone um, because we do have soon, probably in the next by the end of the year, hopefully, we'll be able to launch our um, electronic portal. So using our whole um, Clint Essentials methodology with these sticky notes, we also will have an electronic port, um, platform. So if you're a remote CRA, you can still send the query to your study coordinator remotely and still be within the, the clinical or uh, the Clint Essentials using the color code, the coordination, et cetera. So we do we we are thinking about the future and doing the electronic version as well. That's that was actually one of my questions. I forgot. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So remote work. Obviously, we're going to be doing a lot more of that mm -hmm. due to COVID. I mean, we're already going in that direction. Yeah. Um, I think COVID might have uh, definitely enhanced the speed at which we're moving in that direction. Exactly. Um, so yeah, if you're if like literally, I want to study right now where the, where the, my on-site monitoring window is 26 weeks. Yes. Yeah. So it may not make sense for me to spend all, all the money on, you know, mm -hmm. those sticky notes when I'm not really going to be using them that much, mm -hmm. um, only being on site so little. So yeah. what do you think about that? And I know you mentioned briefly a minute ago, you guys are working on the new platform, mm -hmm. um, but that's going to change things a little bit. Yeah. So what do you, yeah. What do you have to say to that. So a couple of things you still want to, even though you're going out every 26 weeks, that's even more so that you want to know what's going on and have clear communication. So when you come back in 26 weeks later, you want your actions to be addressed. You don't want them to still be sitting there on the yellow sticky notes because they couldn't decipher if it said protocol deviation or Panera delivery, <laughs> you know, like, like PD or, you know, like, what is this? I don't True. even know what's on this note. You know, True. so, you, you know, so even though you're going out, less frequent and you're having bigger gaps you still want them to when you come in in 26 weeks how many visits how many patient visits do you have you may not be able to be there one day on site you may have to be there two or three days so the volume of work is going to be big so you still want to hit it with your efficiencies you don't have time to sit there and write out on yellow sticky notes um, because you're you're only here for a certain amount of time and then you're coming back you know uh, half a year later, six months later. So it's even more so, you know, there's still, and there's going to be a lot of change in staff, maybe in that six week, I mean, six months, there could be, could be yeah. turnover, you know, still same kind of process. You want to have the, the tools in place. So whoever steps into that site six months later, or a year from now, they understand what's going on and they don't spend that time trying to get up to speed. So it's still, there's still an advantage there. Um, and a lot of people, a lot of sites use it internally to audit their their records and speak to each department um, too. That's another aspect. So it may not, you know, for the CRA, it may not be used as frequent, but it's still good. And then for the study coordinators in the site level, it's even better because maybe the study coordinator is coming in on a Monday and the investigator is coming in on Tuesday she can flag she or he can flag serious adverse event please clarify you know lab assessment needed that's the new one coming and they can talk to each other even though they're not face to face so it's still there's still an advantage to it okay yeah that's a really good point uh, yeah. about the turnover and mm -hmm. it being really clear you know if there's a protocol deviation or sae or re report this to the irb because um, mm -hmm. you know in a perfect world though all that stuff would be action items Mm -hmm. um, but you know, not everything can get recorded sometimes. Yeah, uh, every, yeah, exactly. It's not everything. And I used to, I remember sometimes my study coordinator was so on it that she would take the binder off before I even got the chance to write down. And I was like, uh, what did I have yeah, on there? You know, like, exactly. you, know, and she, you know, she comes back with actions and I'm like, shoot, I hope I didn't lose a note there, you know, that, you know, like, because I don't, I really don't know what you took, what I flagged. So, you know, all of these things, it's just increasing efficiencies. And on each one of these notes, it has done a done, it's a done with a checkbox. So you can literally, when the study coordinator is done, 
you can she can check it she or he can check it and then put it on the source instead of remember we have to move it around mm -hmm. line through it to show that it's done it's just very clear that this action has been completed with that done box excellent yeah excellent. yeah okay so <laughs> that that all sounds great mm -hmm. um where can people learn more about these products and you guys as a company yeah um, yeah can you, sh can you share that information yeah, so they can visit us at clinessentials.com, um, C-L-I-N essentials.com. So that's where we are online, um, as well as on the social platforms, um, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. And then we just recently launched our YouTube um, channel where um, you'll have professionals like myself um, giving tips, answering questions. So I just um, had a video about um, what was it? It was how to prepare for a monitoring visit as a CRA. And we get a question, we get that question often for some of our newer CRAs that are just getting started. And they're like, well, how do I prepare for a monitoring visit? So we answered that, gave some tips, showed them. Um, and then the next one, it's uh, the next topic is gonna be eight ways to, or eight questions to ask your study coordinator when you arrive on site as a CRA to gauge your monitoring visit. So that's the next topic on YouTube. Um, that's, so a, yeah. that's a great, uh, that's a great video topic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, we have, we're, we're all about sharing the information because, you know, we find that a lot of people too, they are home, they're at their home office and they're not sure who they can reach out to and they're like scared maybe to ask the question but they have questions and they're good questions and it may stop their productivity you know because they're like well i don't know how to do that and that's where we want to be where clean essentials is here to help where we can and you know some of those guidances that your manager may not give you like eight questions to ask your study coordinator they just say do a monitoring visit they don't say how to do the monitoring visit and so yep. those are the things that we can from the experience level, just say, hey, ask them these eight questions. This is going to help you. You know, this is how you, you know, prepare for a monitoring visit. Get your manila folder, have your things for your doctor. You know, like, so those kind of practical tips are very helpful and what the industry is missing. Yep. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I've, I've done a little bit about, I've done a little, a, a small amount of videos. I don't know, maybe like five to 10 on like some nitty gritty stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. But most of the questions I get in my email are about like, you know, getting into the industry, um, mm -hmm. you know, things like that and getting into different uh, sectors of the industry and stuff like that. Um, yeah, exactly. It's good. But once you get in, then what? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, who's telling you, you know, like, OK, I got through the door. OK, now what? What do I do now with what? this computer? And so that's <laughs> the thing. That's where we're missing. And that's where a lot of people, especially right now, it is crazy out there. It's um, there's so many open positions and not enough people. And so you may get the role, but they may just throw you right in and say, yep. start monitoring. And you're like, uh, you know, yep. like, and, and who's going to break it down to you? Like, OK, get your work back, put it, put your folder in it. Yep. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So not, yeah, that's what not all in. companies training is created equal. Um, oh. I, yeah. I know I know for my start I, I went to a monitoring boot camp actually. Mm -hmm. Um yeah. and down in Florida. I forget the, the name, but it was it was great. It was a week long. Um it was great. Yeah. Great. So that's how yeah. I got my start. Exactly. Monitoring. I got my start similar. I got a it was a four day boot camp, but they went through scenario questions. They went, you know, they really helped me at least give me the foundation, but not every company does that. And I will tell you small biotechs and uh, smaller companies, some of those training programs they don't have necessarily. So if you do get in that way, you really got to make sure you reach out to your network and get some support, get you a mentor because yeah um they they're gonna say okay you want this clinical trial manager role but we don't have we have some sops but we're not going to tell you how to do some of those day-to-day -day. um and that's actually a good segue because uh clinical essentials we're working on a uh, clinical trial manager certificate our certificate program where you can 
learn how to be a clinical trial manager. So that's something that's not out there right now. And a lot of people are in need either being thrown into the position yeah. or you know, wanting to be in the position and not knowing what it entails. That's something that we're working on as well um, there. Okay. Wow. A lot of gems you dropped in, in this episode today. A lot of gems. <laughs> yeah. Thank you know, sometimes working at home, you're like, like, I want to talk to somebody. <laughs> so, yeah, it's great. Anytime, anytime. Um, if there's any um, questions that you have, um, I'm on LinkedIn. You know, I take questions through DM, different things like that. And you can and then we'll we'll open it up to the network. And we, we said, how do you prep for a SIV just recently? And everyone just they loved all the tips and everyone was adding bring a sweater because you don't know how cold it's going to be, you know, like just everyone adding tips. So we do that a lot on on my my LinkedIn page specifically um, under T Tiffany Ashton. So yeah, definitely we're here to help. We value everyone's you know contribution to these clinical research trials, and we just have to be here to support one another. Um, you know that's it at the bottom at the end of the day. All right. Um, so you mentioned your LinkedIn. You mentioned the uh, clinical clinessentials.com to check out your mm -hmm. products that you have. Um, I'm definitely going to put all this in the, the notes in the description of the interview when it goes live. Um, yeah. So thank you so much for being here today, Tiffany. Do you have any last things you want to leave with the people before we sign off? Yes. Okay. So a couple of things um, for our ECRG group, um, we're going to leave. I'm going to connect with you to give a special code. So you'll get a, a night, probably 15, 20% off of your uh, purchase of uh our clinical products, uh, we'll do 20. I'll, I'll work with the teams to say 20% off of any uh, purchases that you do. And um, now do you open up your your recordings uh, for comments under uh, the, the actual video? Is yeah, that how they, can it they can comment under YouTube, yeah, on YouTube. Okay, Not on the podcast though. Okay, so under, the, um, under YouTube, we'll do, let's say the first person to comment and the seventh person to comment will get a free one-on-one um, -on -one with me if you have any questions career-wise, um, wow. any questions role-wise, anything like that. So that's the first person to comment, the seventh person to comment, and let's just throw it out, the 23rd person to comment. So wow. um, those, that's a that's an added benefit because you get 18 years experience and um, I can help you if you have career questions. Um, I've looked at resumes. Um, I, you know, I've done, uh, you know, I can help, I've helped research sites say, Hey, we need to get more studies, you know, any ideas, you know, all of those things. So that's a, that's a really good, um, added benefit. So, um, we're here to help and, and happy to assist where we can. Wow. Tiffany, that's very, very generous of you. Cause you know, people are going to hit you up as soon as I. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. we're gonna hit you up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So definitely, we have a Clint Essentials LinkedIn page, and we have, you know, you can also uh, find me on Clint um, on uh, LinkedIn as well. So connect with both of those pages. You know, some information. Uh, that's posted on the main Clint Essentials page. I don't post, and then others um, is on my page. So you want to connect with both just so you can be in the know. Great tips, you know, all the time. Well, thank you so much, Tiffany. All right. Sounds good.